Well, good morning, everybody. It's so nice to be back. There's a bunch of people I don't recognize. And so welcome here, uh, I guess, uh, or else you can welcome me here. Um, we used to come here. Uh, I was here and grew up as a kid here, and I, I attended here for 20 years. And uh, my wife and I attended for seven years after we got married. My wife is back there in the second last row with our five kids. And uh, we're missionaries in Quebec, uh, campus pastors at the University of Sherbrooke, as well as missionaries in the community. And if you want to hear more about that, you can come tonight uh, at 6 o'clock is a potluck. And then at 7 o'clock, I'm going to present about what we're doing there. Um, if you guys would like to get together with us, we're going to stay for another week. Um, so just give us a call. We're at the Graber's house. Um, and we'd love to, love to see you. All right. So uh, today's sermon is... Um, why can't you all just get along? That's my sermon title. And I'm not going to tell you what inspired it, but I will tell you that um, these are thoughts that came to me as we were driving the four days on the road up here. And um, just, you know, sometimes everyday life just kind of brings a message to your mind. And so this is kind of the things that I was thinking about uh, in our drive. You know, sometimes there's questions that don't have easy, ready answers. Why can't you just get along? And as I'm going to talk about, there's other things that also kind of inspire this, and other conversations I've had lately. And as I really felt like God was laying this on my heart to speak about this, I realized, you know, this really is applicable to a lot of things, a lot of relationships. Why can't you just get along? And even when we feel like we're getting along with people, I realized, you know, there's a deeper level at which we can get along. There's a deeper level at which we can be open and loving and caring to one another. And I think that God really has something to say to us uh, through this. You know, you can really learn something from watching people that really, really don't get along. And I was working at a job here in town. Maybe I won't say where, because um, you might guess who. No, you wouldn't, probably wouldn't know, but I still won't say where. Um, but there was these two ladies there that just did not get along in this workplace. And it was known. And people would talk about the fact that these two ladies didn't get along. And it was sort of strange to me because I came into a workplace and came into a dynamic. And I had a hard time figuring out who these people were. Because when you were sitting with Lady A, she would talk about Lady B as this terrible monster and this witch that would cackle and that would do these, you know, send these thunderbolts out of her fingertips and just was this horrible woman. And then there'd be this other woman who was a decent, hardworking, good person. And she would talk about this other woman that was just terrible and nasty and ugly. And she would say these terrible things. And who are these people talking about? And finally, I realized it's these two people. And they're both hardworking and they're both good people and they're both basically nice, you know, and, and it kind of made me think, like, what, what happened between you two? And when they were in the same room, they would talk nice to each other, and then when one of them would leave, oh, I can't believe it. Sometimes this just happens. There's a falling out of some sort, and it's usually not over something large. Usually somebody gets hurt, probably unintentionally. They don't forgive. It's, it's usually something really small, so you don't think about forgiving. It's just Why'd you leave your dirty coffee mug in the break room? Come on. Something stupid. And these little hurts kind of accumulate. And the more that they accumulate, the more 
you start noticing things. The more you start noticing things, the more they start accumulating until pretty soon this person just drives you nuts. And then if this person drives you nuts, probably the way that you behave towards them is a little bit different. And then they start picking up on the fact that you don't really like them. And then it kind of becomes a mutual thing. And then before you know it, the story ends that at the end of the summer, both of them got a pink slip and they were both gone because the boss had had enough. Even though they were perfectly fine, acceptable employees, it was just enough. And unfortunately, sometimes relationships can degrade to the point where the only solution seems to be, I'm just not ever going to talk to you again. Maybe I'm even going to quit. Maybe I'm even going to move out of town or out of the province. I'm just out of here. I can't stand you. Well, that's one option. But you know, the funny thing about that option is then it seems like wherever you move, you find somebody that kind of reminds you of that person. And it kind of starts over again. And so it's kind of hard to get away from people. And also your world just kind of gets smaller. And I think Jesus' option is to forgive. To forgive from the heart. And that's what I want to talk about today. And I want to talk about a time that I sat on a rock. I've sat on a rock a number of times. And a lot of times, well, we're we're over at the Grabers there and it's on a rock. And... I love rocks, and I realized as I was driving up here, because there aren't rocks where I'm from. I mean, there's pebbles, but there's not rocks, because it's farmland. They they don't like rocks. But here, you know, you see the the bedrock coming out of the ground, and it often is sticking onto the lake. And you know you can go out there on a point, and there's just enough breeze to push the bugs away, and you can just sit there and and have time with God. And I realized as I was driving up here, the reason I like rocks is because God has met me so often on a rock because I've just had a moment to sit and watch a sunset or a sunrise and meet with God. And this one canoe trip we were on, Aquachink, led by Arthur, um, we had a 24-hour solo time where we needed to go off and be with God for 24 hours and build a shelter and and do that sort of stuff. And I I had my Bible, I had my notebook, and I was trying to have a real spiritual moment with God. And God was trying to have a real spiritual moment with me, but not in the way that I wanted him to. (laughs) Because he just kept reminding me of a conflict that I had had the day before. Now, there was somebody on this trip that I didn't really like, and I didn't really get along with. And, you know, this is almost 20 years ago now, but I don't exactly remember what the deal was, but we just did not get along. And it was known, and people kind of tried to make sure we didn't end up in the same canoe together, and kind of... We would kind of end up, if he was sitting there, I'd kind of sit over here and just kind of... And the one day, we ended up in the same canoe, and it was not a good thing, you know? We were paddling across Little Vermilion, there was a fair bit of wind, and we had to go just a little bit crosswise into the wind, and every wave was splashing him, and it wasn't my fault, but every time he got splashed, he got mad at me and said something, and I'm sure I said something back to him, but I don't really remember those parts as much, but I remember his things that he said to me, And I do remember that we were going across the Portage Trail with the big heavy plastic canoe on us. And we were back and forth, knittering. And then I said something to him. And I remember what I said to him because I really shouldn't have said that. And he said, that's it. That's enough. And he threw the canoe off with me in it. And that hurt a little bit because you're supposed to, you know, do that mutually. Um, And it kind of bumped me up a bit. And uh, he went marching off and somebody else had to, we figured out the packs and the canoes and stuff. And it was ugly. It was a little bit ugly. And on the rock the next day, God was saying, you know, you need to deal with this. You need to forgive him. 
And I was saying, he's got to forgive, he's got to apologize to me. He's got to deal with what he did to me. Don't you see what he said? And it wasn't my fault, and it was the wind, and it was, it was he's got to deal with me. And God just kept saying, no, you, you know, you got to deal with him. You first. Why me first? Well, you first. I had to forgive him for what he did to me. And I didn't want to. And Jesus said, you know, I, did a, I forgave you for an awful lot. And that really spoke to me, um, how much Jesus had forgiven me. And so, you know, one by one, I thought through the things he'd done, and I forgave him for them. And honestly, well, I'll get to this in a second, but the story's only half there in my mind because I don't remember what he did to me. I don't remember. I forgave it. I don't remember what he did to me. I remember what I said to him. And he said, you know, you're going to have to ask him for forgiveness for what you said. That was really not right what you said. And I was like, God, didn't you see all those things that he said to me? Didn't, don't you see he's got to apologize to me for all those things he said to me? No. You forgave him for those, remember? Oh, yeah, I guess I did. It's amazing how much you can forgive but not forgive, you know. Um, but I, I dealt with that, and I said, okay, God, I'm going to forgive him for that. It's a tiny little insignificant thing, but I'm going to forgive him for that, even though he's done all these things. And then Jesus said, I want you to pray for him. I said, no problem. Lord Jesus, I pray that he would change his ways, and I pray that the Spirit of God would descend on him with conviction to apologize to me. No. Holy Spirit wasn't there. He said, no you got to bless him. What's he doing right now? Well, he's probably off camping, swatting flies. Well, pray that his campsite goes up and the mosquitoes don't bite him quite so much. Bless him. Because Jesus said to pray for those who persecute us and bless those that speak ill of us. Bless him. And that was the hardest part, really, was praying for him, blessing him. But I did. And after that, we got back together, and, you know, things were still tense. And I remember a very awkward apology about saying, I shouldn't have said that, sorry, all right, whatever. And we kind of avoided each other, not just then, but for a good chunk of time. And eventually, we just kind of became cool between each other. And through the years, we've really become good friends, really honestly, lifelong good friends. And I can say in all honesty that my heart is open to him. When he suffers, my heart is broken. And when he rejoices, I rejoice. And I really have no clue what it was that he did that made me so angry. Um, except that I was fairly young and immature and fragile and it was probably something really silly. And that's kind of the nature of forgiveness, is that when you forgive something, it kind of disappears. <clears throat> the psychologist Jordan Peterson said, if you remember something after three months, something trivial, there's probably a reason that you remember it. And I thought, that's kind of interesting. If you could think through memories, obviously there's some things you remember because it's important, but if you remember something trivial, like a word or the position of somebody's body after three months, that might be significant. Maybe, maybe there's a situation that made you feel vulnerable. 
and your body, your mind is trying to figure out, I don't want to be vulnerable again. How can I protect myself? Maybe it was a moment of learning where some new aspect of somebody came to light and you're like, I need to remember that. I need to bookmark that. Or maybe it's just a moment where you haven't forgiven. And you're saying, and part of you is saying, someday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them pay for that. And I'm going to just hold on to that. I'm going to remember that until I get the right moment and then I'm going to make them pay. When we forgive, it's amazing how much this stops. Because, well, before that I should say, it's amazing how these things can start collecting and adding up. The thoughts, the memories, the things said, what I should have said in that case, what I will say next time, what the conversation would be. And, and it can kind of become a whirlwind after a while. All these thoughts in our minds. And that whirlwind is very unhealthy for us. It's very unhealthy for our mind because our mind is always on. Parts of our brain are always on thinking about these things. It's unhealthy for our bodies because our, when our brain is in attack mode, our bodies go into attack mode. And so then our, we're you know, secreting adrenaline. We're go, go, go. It's not healthy for our bodies. And it's not healthy for our spirits because we are to be, as much as possible, be at peace with all men. Um, we have done a lot with caring for the heart. I think some of you know what that is. Uh, it's a counseling method. And they really, one of the main things they encourage is forgiveness. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Go through old memories, forgive one by one. And I want to talk a little bit at the end about using some of their methods to forgive. But it was amazing. We, we did a bunch of counseling with them in 2015. And, and sometime around 2016, when I was walking in the bush, and I was thinking, to my, I thought to myself, Josiah, what are you thinking about? And I thought, I'm not really thinking about anything. I'm just enjoying being in the bush. And I realized, that's a pretty amazing thing, to just not have that whirlwind going on, and just not have those thoughts, and not have that, that perpetual little dark tornado. So all this is kind of background to, um, a couple weeks ago I had a friend, met him, in a, um, met him online, and, uh, you know, both Christians, both into the same sort of theology. And um, I, I had shared some of my life with him. He had shared some of his with me. And one day he, he came on and private messaged me and said, you've got to pray for my marriage. We're just kind of going through a bit of a rough time. And it was, he's younger than me, about 10 years. And he said, you know, we're trying to figure out life and education and career path. And she wants to do this and I want to do this. And it's just a little bit difficult to, to navigate. understand that talk through a few things. We've experienced this. I understand that. And I said, you know what you really need to do, though, is forgive your wife. And I wrote him a little thing about, you just, before you do anything, after you do anything, always, you need to forgive. And I just laid that out there. I'm not sure exactly what he's done with it. He just said thanks. But, you know, why would I assume that? Why would I, I just assumed that you need to forgive. That's 90% of what's going on here is you need to forgive. And the reason is that in, our, in all of our relationships, but especially our closest relationships, this is what happens. Exactly the same thing. Maybe on a smaller scale, or maybe it's just more down deep and hidden. We hurt one another. All the time. So easily, so deeply. Because we're close to one another, because we love one another, because our hearts are open to one another. We hurt one another. Uh, Merle Nisley preached at uh, Derek Kutzi's wedding many years ago. Fifteen? Fifteen years ago. 
What's that? Awesome. So right now you're half as, as long, so soon it'll be a three quarters and you'll catch up eventually, right? Um, and he's, he, said, he shared a sermon illustration that I still remember. He said, if you can just imagine two porcupines and how they must get to, get to know each other, that must be pretty difficult. And he said, you know, in a marriage, you've got to be careful that you don't bump each other, you don't spike each other. Um, one person has their vulnerable, vulnerable parts exposed, and the other person has the prickles exposed, and we hurt each other really often. And, and we don't mean to, usually. Sometimes we do. Shame on us. But usually we don't mean to. We just hurt each other, and we don't forgive it right away. Sometimes we don't forgive it at all. Sometimes we don't think that it's the sort of thing that ought to be forgiven. It's just life. But these things tend to accumulate, and it doesn't take much until the person can start to be a little bit odious and a little bit annoying to us. This can be in a marriage. It can be in any relationship. I had a really bad experience with an egg one time. We were doing scouts, um, and here they do real scouts. We're doing boy scouts down in where we are, and they read from books and do childcare. Here we, we did winter camping when it was minus 40 and almost died. That's Boy Scouts. And on that trip, and I accidentally whacked somebody in the head with a machete and gave him a big cut. Anyways, it was, a, it was great times. It was great times. <laughs> One of the things that we did on that, that, that Scouts outing was um, hard-boiled eggs in the fire over the coals. And theoretically, you can do this. But my egg had a burnt spot on it. And I thought it was fine to just eat the white part and not the burnt part. But man, that burnt goes through the egg. And I could not look at an egg for a solid year after that. That egg tasted so bad and left such a bad taste in my mouth. You know, sometimes people can hurt us. And if we don't forgive, they kind of become like a bad egg to us. Like they walk into a room... Their smell, their looks, the little <coughs> noises that they make to announce their presence just kind of makes our skin crawl. Just, mm, that person. And that's a hard thing to diagnose. That's a hard thing to deal with because there's nothing to apologize for. They're just being them and it drives us nuts. And worse than that, honestly, we don't really desire their best. Honestly. Hebrews 12.15 talks about a root of bitterness. Take care that a root of bitterness does not spring up, and by it many are defiled. There's so much depth there, and I really love the metaphor of a root for a number of reasons. One of which is that you can feel like such, such a successful gardener by just ripping off all the green stuff, and you think you got it dealt with, but the roots are still there. You know, dandelions are this flimsy little hollow flower. You rip that off, it's no big deal. That was easy. Why is everybody so concerned about dandelions? Well, it's because the root looks like a carrot if you get it out, if you get the whole thing. It's huge. It's hard to get the roots out, but the root is what's really important. And it's hard to get the root out. We really see this with our kids. You know, as you as you raise kids, as you try and help them be mature, responsible adults and love one another, when they're really young, it's easy to discipline them and it's easy to successfully parent them because 
their internal lives basically manifest as actions instantly, almost instantly. If a young child is angry, they act. Either it's yelling or it's hitting or something. If they're jealous, they grab the toy. And so you can correct the action. Hey, Johnny, don't do that. You take away the toy, you give appropriate actions. And that, you know, it's like a little tiny sprout. You can just pull out the little sprout, the roots come out with it, it's no big deal. But as kids get older, you can take off the top and the root is still there. And worse than that, if you pull off the top here, well, the root's going to come up somewhere else. And you can correct and correct and correct actions, and then the little noises will come out, or the tone of voice will come out, or the looks will come out. And it gets to where it's, you can't legislate it anymore. You got to deal with the heart. You got to deal with the fact that there is bitterness here. And you got to deal with the fact that there's something happened that you have not forgiven, Johnny. You need to forgive. That's why you are angry. That's why you keep doing these things. Many a mother has said to their, their son or daughter, don't look at me with that tone of voice. To which the son or daughter said, I can't, that doesn't make sense, mom. But the meaning is there. If there's bitterness in our heart, that can come out in all sorts of ways. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when the heart is abundant, it will speak. It will not be silenced. It will not be quelled. It cannot be held down. When bitterness is in the heart, it will come out. And this can become a cycle in any relationship. Where one person hurts the other. The other is hurt. They don't forgive. Bitterness starts to grow. And words, glances, jokes, noises, posture, silence are reflected back at the other person. And this communicates aggression. And this aggression is received and reciprocated. And you start having a bitter-for-bitter bitter relationship. And one of them might say something like, I'm not mad. What are you talking about? I didn't say anything. I didn't raise my voice. I didn't insult him. I'm not angry. What do you want from me? It's a little bit like Ephesians 4.26. Be angry and sin not. Look, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. What do you want from me? I've got a question here for somebody that said that. I have said that. I have said that. Just a moment of honesty here. I think we've all said that. Look, I, I didn't raise my voice. I don't know why you're angry at me or why, why we're not connecting here. Would you describe a, the perfect date that way? I didn't raise my voice. I didn't get angry. I didn't yell. That's not how you describe the perfect date. You describe the perfect date in positive terms. We spoke. She shared her heart. I shared my dreams with her. We connected. We did stuff together. These are all negative descriptions. Why is it negative? Why, why, did, why would somebody even mention that? Look, I didn't do this. Well, is it because somewhere deep inside you wanted to do that? You, there was somewhere inside where there's bitterness, where you wanted to raise your voice, where you wanted to insult, where you wanted to be angry, where you wanted to be mean. And you feel godly because you kept that bottled down. 
but the other person can notice. The other person notices, and they're trying to say, what's going on? Why are you so silent? Why are you so withdrawn? Why, why aren't you showing love to me like you used to? When we get hurt, there's a little boy or a little girl inside that can sometimes just take their little red ball, walk up the front porch, go up the stairs, close the door behind them, lock the door, go under the covers, and say, I'm not going to play anymore. And when we do that, it can be really hard to get that little boy or that little girl to come back out and play. Can say, what do you want from me? Well, I want your heart. I want your heart, Johnny. I want you to come out and play again. Look, I don't know how to do that. I've given you everything you want. I, I, I showed up. I did the thing. I, what do you want me to do? You got to forgive. Well, how do you push somebody to forgive? You can't. You can't. Either they forgive their own volition or they don't. You can't push anybody to forgive. And I'm not even sure that you ask people to forgive. That's God's business. But what you can do is you can forgive. You can be the first and you can forgive. Because I almost guarantee you that as long as you are up in your room and hiding under your blankets with the door closed in the closet of your heart, there's not going to be any change. But if you forgive, if you take the first step and you think through some of the stupid things that he or she has done, those little things that have annoyed you, and you think to yourself, and you say to God, I'm not going to make them pay for that, you know? Nobody's perfect. I'm sure not perfect. And I know, Father, that you have forgiven me so much for all the things that I've done against you. And when I think about all my sins compared to what they've done, it's nothing. I forgive them. I'm going to let it go. And when we truly forgive from the heart, from the heart, and those things are gone, and we don't remember them anymore, and they don't cause us pain anymore, and that they're not this jumbled cloud of anger in our minds anymore, when we truly forgive, something amazing happens. That little boy comes out of his closet, opens the door, goes down the porch over to Sally's house and says, would you like to come out and play? And when there's that real vulnerability and that I'm, I, really, I really care about you. Because the bottom line is that it, it's pretty lonely. It's pretty lonely up there in that little room all alone. And when he comes out almost all the time, he realizes on the way over to Sally's house, you know, I was kind of mean to Sally. I was, there's some things I should probably tell her that I'm sorry. And he does a true apology. Now, you can do a terrible apology, right? Apologies can be manipulation, tinged in bitterness, and wrapped in religion. And if you're going to give somebody an apology like that, you're better off just keeping your mouth shut. But when somebody says something like, look, what I did, I hurt you. I hurt your heart. That makes me sad. I wish I hadn't have done that. Do you want to come out and play again? That's the sort of thing that can melt stone. That's the sort of thing that can bring people back together again. Yes, but. Yes, but. It didn't work. 
Look, I forgave him. I was nice. He didn't change. She didn't change. Look, you can't control outcomes. You can't make somebody else do anything. Even Jesus stands at the door and knocks. You can't change somebody else. But you can change your heart. You can make sure that you are clean before everybody and before God. Well, why should I worry about my heart when he or she has been the one that hurt me so bad? Look, your job is to deal with the speck in your eye. There, there's this deep lesson in Matthew 7, 3 about the, the plank and the speck. You know, how can you take the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a plank in your own eye? We usually see it as the other way around. Look, my, my sins, sure I've sinned. I'm not perfect. But mine is a little tiny speck. Theirs is a plank. I've got to deal with their sins. And Jesus says, that's perspective. It's perspective. To you, it seems like it's a tiny speck. But to them, it's a plank. You've got to deal with your sin first. Got to lead by example. Forgive first so that your heart is clean and free. How often should I forgive? Well, you know the answer to that. Seventy times seven if somebody asks for forgiveness. And that's a daily figure. If if your brother or sister asks for forgiveness, seventy times seven in a day. Look, but that person really hurt me. Jesus says to turn the other cheek. And in relationships, if you want to move forward, if you want to do life together, you learn to forgive, even when it hurts. Yes, but shouldn't they know how much they hurt me? Shouldn't they know? Yes and no. So there's an important thing I need to say here, is that forgiveness does not mean that we let people walk all over us. Forgiveness does not mean that you consider yourself a person who can be treated as garbage. Forgiveness does not mean that you stop protecting yourself or others from evil people. Even Jesus said that if you're persecuted in one town, you shake off the dust of your feet, you go to another place. It's a time to put space between you and evil people. It does not mean that you stop communicating your true feelings to the people in your life that matter. Sometimes people just don't know that you're hurting you, and they need to have that information. So yes, there is a time and a place to let them know how they hurt you. But my question is, how are you communicating that? What are you trying to communicate? Are you trying to say, look, I've forgiven you. I love you. I care for your heart. I care for our relationship. And I want us to have a better relationship. So here's how we can do that. Are you giving them that information out of a place of peace, inner peace and reconciliation? Or are you saying, you hurt me, Here's how I want you to feel it and I want you to pay for it right now. Is that what's really going on? One of the hardest things I've dealt with in our student ministry is dealing with a reconciliation issue where there were students that weren't getting along in the ministry. And one of them specifically was I was counseling him and mentoring him. And he wanted to write a letter. That was his solution. And I was really working with his heart and saying, look, you've got to forgive. That's more important. Well, I've got to write a letter. Okay, well, let's, let's talk about how you can forgive. Well, I've got to write this letter. All right, well, write the letter and, let, and show it to me. And it was this. You know, you hurt me. Here's how. Here's how it made me feel. Here's why it was wrong. The end. I said, well, you know, like, do you think you might want to put in there something about how 
you did some things that weren't quite right. Maybe you're sorry about that and, and maybe we could, you know, kind of do half and half. Because as all situations are, it was half and half. It wasn't like he was walking down the road and people threw stones at him or something. He was very much involved in the situation. And he worked on it and edited it and, and worked it down until he, it was really, you know, quite an achievement. He got all that down to one sentence. It was a run-on sentence. It was quite complex. But he got it down to one sentence. And that was non-negotiable. He had to send that. It will be spoken. It will be sent. And he was so adamant, because I was quite clear that he ought not send this. He, he sent it. He cut off contact with me. He didn't show up to our, our meeting that we had scheduled. And he skipped town and left the ministry. That was it. I will send this, and that's it. Colossians 2, 13 to 14 talks about a certificate of debt consisting in decrees against them, hostile to them. That's what God, through Jesus Christ, nailed to the cross on our behalf. There was a certificate of debt consisting in decrees against them, hostile to them. All our sins written somewhere on a plaque. And it's like God took that and nailed it to the cross and said, it's paid. It's all paid. It's done. But my dear friend was saying, yes, but. This will not be forgotten. They will know how they made me feel. So do people need to know how they hurt you? Sometimes. But where's your heart? Some people might never change, but we can change. And before God, we can be children of our Father in heaven. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 43 to 48, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends his reign on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? <coughs> do not even the tax collectors do the same? If you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now I'd like to close with a moment of prayer. And I'd like to kind of guest preach with the Holy Spirit here because I really feel like the Holy Spirit has something to deal with for each one of you in here. <coughs> and it's probably going to seem minor. It's probably going to seem strange. But I'm going to ask, I'm going to pray right now and we're going to, I'm going to ask the Father to bring a memory to mind. Father, I pray that you'd bring a memory to mind for each one of these people. The next thing that you want them to deal with and I want you to pray to God as he brings this to mind. God, this wasn't right. It made me feel. And you just go right ahead and tell your father exactly how it made you feel. <coughs> it made you feel wounded, disposable, violated, attacked, silenced, 
not heard? How did it make you feel? Or not wanted? Father, I'm ready to forgive. I will not make them pay for this. I will pay the emotional pain and consequences of their actions. Because of what you did for me, I forgive. Please take back the ground that I gave to the enemy through bitterness. And please fill that place with your love. I am canceling out the certificate of debt consisting in decrees against them, hostile to them. In the name of Jesus Christ, I forgive. Amen.